This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, and exclusively her, oh, on Zoomer Radio. Oh, stepped right in his throat. Oh, gosh, I'm <laughs> wow, sorry about you that, heard Paul. him choke. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to interject that her ever-faithful servant, Franklin Proctor, is here Aww. in the guise of the uh, sous chef of the garden. The under-under-gardener. Under, under That's under. it exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, uh, welcome good morning along. on this gray day. Welcome to uh, Well, I'm to trying to sound cheery because, you know, yes. it's, it's anything but cheery out there, isn't it? True. I just saw somebody go by with an umbrella, so I guess it has started to rain now. Yo. But mm. you know what? It's been gray, and oh, I kept expecting it to be raining on and off all week. Yeah. But it was pretty dry at my place. Yeah. I put grass seed down last Sunday and thought, oh, great, I'm not going to have to water it. But there I was out watering it. Yeah, well, there you are. So, you know, yeah, So it's a good time to do that. Broadcast a little grass seed? Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Great time to, you know, thicken up your lawns. We can get into that oh, well, after you do absolutely. the important numbers. Uh, the important numbers are thus. If you're calling from the Toronto area, 416-360-0740, then anywhere in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Call early, call often, one question per call. Gives everybody a fair shot at Charlie's wisdom, you see. And then, of course, if you're a first-time caller, let Sebastian know, and when you come to the air, that's what you'll earn. Your wings! Your uh, you'll wings. earn. Yeah. I love it. All right, Charlie, you usually have a whole whack of stuff for us. Well, thank you very much. And as I said, welcome to October. Yep. Today is the first day. Exactly. Tomorrow is the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Right, yes. So, Shana Tova to all of our listeners. And I just want to give a big hug over the airwaves to Paul Zamet, the Director of Horticulture from the Toronto Botanical Gardens. He came to uh, Whitby, to my class, my Durham College students, enjoyed him thoroughly as he did his usual enthusiastic... He is uh, one of the most energetic, enthusiastic people I think I've ever met. That's right. And he was just full of, excuse me, all kinds of great ideas and suggestions and beautiful, you know... Mm -hmm. Different photos were up on the screen, and I could hear all these intakes of breath. And, and he's like, <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah, oh. So it was good. He was really good. So thank you, thank you, Paul. Really appreciated that. Uh, coming up, uh, Wednesday, October the 12th, the Burlington Horticultural Society is holding a general meeting at the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street at Drury Lane. The speaker is landscape designer Wolf Bonham, and he's going to be speaking about the lush gardens of Central America. Pumpkin pie will be served. Mm. Better get put that date in your calendar. And uh, there will be a draw. Of course, all are welcome. Now, remember, there are still lots going on at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, despite the fact that it is October. Beautiful plants, great opportunity to see fall colors and fall combinations of perennials and yeah. shrubs and trees. So, you know, 
not necessarily in the rain, but, you know, go out when it's not raining. There's still the organic farmer's market going on every Thursday, free garden tours, book clubs, floral design studios, and more. Check out what's going on at the Toronto Botanical Gardens by going to their website, torontobotanicalgarden.ca, and look in the events page for for things you might want to get involved in. And... You know, given that it's the seasons are changing, I did go to the old farmer's almanac. Oh, yes. Because though the almanac isn't 100%, it is better than 50% when it comes to forecasting. And frankly, I don't know if we can really say that about our meteorologists that we listen <laughs> yeah, to. We can't let them off of too much. I'm not so sure they're better than 50% with any, you know, consistency. And the Farmers Almanac people have been doing this for, you know, hundred more than 100 years. So, uh, actually, it's af- over 100, 150 years, 65% correct. So, here's what the Almanac says for October. Our temperatures are going to be above average in southern Ontario, uh, about four degrees above average, mm-hmm. so a little bit on the warm side. Precipitation is going to be very average um, with kind of a breakdown of the first week that we're in now, a few showers and cool. The following week, several showers, but warm. By the third week, we're into sunny and warm. And then for the last week leading up to Halloween, showers, then flurries oh. turning cold. Whoa. Flurries at the end of October. That's what it says. Yikes. It's, it's kind of like for Halloween. I always yeah. feel the kids. Yeah. <laughs> remember my kids were little. You just prayed for a nice weather on yeah, Halloween. Exactly. And invariably it wasn't. <laughs> it was like, you know, <laughs> raining weather, and yeah. snowing. Everybody putting on St- rain gear over top I of their costumes. I know, winter and coats and everything. Yeah. So uh, in November, temperatures are going to be below average about one degree below average. Precipitation, again, will be below average. So, you know, we're not, but we are looking at snow showers and cold and flurries and all kinds of wonderful All part of weather. being Canadian, don't you think? Yeah. But that's not till November. <laughs> so we'll just work with October for now. Okay. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, Charlie, and uh, let you get geared up and set to go on this Saturday morning from Zoomer Radio, The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, Frank Proctor here along for the ride, and we'll be back right after these words. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And right off the bat, Charlie, we're going to be taking a little run toward Mississauga. And there's Excellent. Lynn. Hi, good morning. Lynn, welcome to the show. Oh, hi. Good morning, Frank and uh, Charlie. Good morning. I had a question about um, a plant I, I bought in the spring, and I wanted to know if it was an annual or a perennial, mm-hmm. because it didn't say on the ticket. It's called San Vitalia. Oh, yeah. And, and it has little tiny yellow flowers. It said it was a hybrid, so I wasn't sure... If I can le- bring it in, if it's an annual, and, and, and save it. As far as I know, it is an annual. The tag, because it depends where we live, it's a, like a what we would call a tender perennial. So if you lived in South Carolina, Georgia, it would be a perennial. But here, it would be an annual. So if you want to keep that plant alive, you are going to have to bring that in. 
Okay, and yeah. do I need to do just water it, and, and I shouldn't fertilize it in the winter? I guess. No, let it. It's going to slow down as yeah. all plants do yeah. at this time of year. So let it just do its thing. Is it in a, in a pot? I imagine it is, right? No, it's out in the garden still. Oh. I haven't brought it in yet uh, or done anything with it because I wasn't sure if I could leave it out. But I will bring it in because I I, I had never seen it before, and I I thought it was so pretty, and it bloomed all all long, all summer long. Yeah, and that's usually a gift away that a plant is an annual. Okay. When a plant blooms nonstop, that's that's annual flower behavior. Perennials in in our world, perennials rarely, rarely, well, they just don't bloom all summer. Okay. They sometimes bloom sporadically on and off. So San Vitalia procumbens is the proper name. Uh, it is an annual <clears throat> And so it's considered zony, hardy to, from zones 2 to 11. So, yeah, we're, I mean, it's just not going to survive what, here. What zone are we actually? We're in five, but okay. this is from the Missouri Botanical Garden, so that's a, an American zone. It says 2 to 11. But it's a le- very low-growing, creeping, what do they call it, creeping zinnia or something is what yeah, it's commonly yeah. called. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you can try and keep it alive in your home. You're going to give it lots and lots of sun. You're going to allow it to dry between waterings. Uh, you will probably want to do some cleaning up and pruning on it by February, March, so early spring, uh, in preparation to take it outside once we're frost-free. Okay, great. Okay. Good. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining calling. us, Lynn. Okay. And uh, I'm going to get my bell-ringing arm in shape because, <sighs> just a minute, Oma in Toronto, that's for you. Welcome to the show, first-time caller. Yeah, hello. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Frank. Good hello. morning. Um, I uh, have uh, grown uh, raspberries for many years mm-hmm. and always wondered when I came to pruning if I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, however, my raspberries weren't very good at all. Uh-huh. I think that may have something to do with the little snow in the winter, and I didn't pay much attention to it in the springtime. They had a lot of flowers on, mm-hmm. but when it came to fruiting... They didn't mature. Okay, so lots of flowers, but not lots of fruit. Yeah, they 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 they, they set the fruit on, but then they didn't mature. It was very disappointing. And the other thing, I when it comes to pruning, mm-hmm. what I have done in the past, I usually take the the brown stock that have carried fruit. Mm-hmm. Last is is I hope that is the correct. Yeah, no, that's right. Yep. Yeah. And but some. Are uh, not um, some of them are green mm-hmm. that I leave those and they seem to have some which I call sidearms or side shoots coming out. Should I take those off or leave them um, for the ones that I think probably stay for the for next year? Because they didn't turn brown. Right. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. Um, Raspberries are like a two-year crop. So the cane will grow for one year. It will often set buds, but of course you won't see flowering until the following year. And it's once they've flowered and fruited that we then prune them back in the fall, typically. I think probably one of the biggest things when you said you had a low quality or quantity of of raspberries this year could just be something as simple as how important thinning is. To to really get a good crop of raspberries, you do need to prune them, as you recognize, and they do need to be thinned because otherwise you get a lot of shadow shading going on and your crop will be much reduced as a result of too much crowding uh, in the in the patch. So it's one, it's a very effective way to avoid uh, such a poor crop. Is there possibly the brown stalks is the proper way to do in the fall? Yes, it is. Um, yeah. the, uh, do you have access to the internet? No. 
No? Okay, because there's a um, Fine Gardening is a very good magazine. It's out of the United States, but it's an excellent magazine called Fine Gardening. They would probably have it at your local library. Um, <clears throat> there's a good little article called, it's in issue 144, uh, Pruning Red Raspberries, and they do a great job of showing photos and, you know, when to prune, how to prune, explaining it all. Uh, but, but like I said, I Canadian Gardening would have done... They have, the kids all have, uh, there you go. Ask one of your kids to print this off for you. It's just under fine gardening. I have about the raspberries is there. I have a lot of them coming. Quite a few of them come, but have these long stems, and it doesn't seem they don't seem to have any fruit on it. Are those wild ones? Should I get rid of the whole plant or just cut it back? Well, uh, if it, it seems to very, very, very long. Right. Hmm. Uh, they look healthy. Yeah, and yet they you they, they just get bigger and bigger and no flowers. Yeah. Uh, for I would probably trim them back just be, if because they're going to be hard to get through the patch, right? You've got to remember that you've got to make well, raspberries accessible. Well, I have fence, so that yeah. is not really that wouldn't be a really a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, I would just I'd cut back if they're not ever flowering, then definitely trim them back and you will get some side shoots when you do that which is not necessarily a bad thing and keep an eye like you said once they're they've bloomed and fruited they get trimmed right down and then we get fresh coming up next spring with you know fingers crossed that we're gonna get lots more fruit now, is it also a good idea to uh, give them some uh, manure now in the fall yeah i was just gonna say don't forget to top dress you could do it now or you could do it in the spring whichever time works better for you but definitely amending the soil is a great idea yeah okay yeah, okay in the fall. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. fine. Good All stuff. Right. Thanks, Oma. Oma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we have to move along, Oma, okay? But okay. thank you very much for a uh, first-time caller. And don't be a stranger. The door's yeah. always open. And we'll be along to talk to Bob and Don Mills, uh, as well as several other folks who are waiting online, just after these words on Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, let's see, Charlie, we're off now to Don Mills. Mm -hmm. There's Bob. Welcome to the show, Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Good morning. There you are. Okay, great. Uh, We have a, Charlie, we have a a wealth of Kimberly ferns. Our neighbor just moved and Mm -hmm. said, we'd just like some ferns. Mm -hmm. And we have five large pots, Mm -hmm. about 12 inches deep and 16 inches wide, and Mm -hmm. these things get about... 24 to 28 inches high. Mm-hmm. And we're wondering, uh, apparently they're from Australia, and we're wondering, can we, they're too big to bring inside, could yeah. we winter them outside? No, not no. outside. They'll die. They'll die. But if there's any possibility, you can bring them inside mm-hmm. and winter them in reasonable shape so that you can put them out again next year. I mean, particularly if you have a nice, like a porch, a shady porch, or, a, you know, along a wall or somewhere, because they do prefer, at the most, half-day sun and shade. Mm-hmm. But they are a fairly pricey item. You know, the size that you're talking about, those, you know, retail anywhere from 30 to $40 each. So, yeah, exactly. So, if you could keep those going, they would be worth having uh, for the future. We might have an, an indoor terrarium. You never know. There you go. Yeah, and it's not like you have to go in a super sunny window with them, but you do want to get them into the shade now if they're not already in the shade. Get them into out of the uh, wind into the shade for the next week or so, and then just a real thorough cleaning and watering and washing off of any debris before they go in the house, perhaps by next weekend. 
thank you so much. All right. Good luck with Thanks that. Thanks for joining Let us, Let us know how that works out. <laughs> I love a lot of people are in that point right now. Yeah. Can I keep it? Should I keep it? Do I have room? Do I want to keep it? You know? <laughs> Do I want to keep yeah, it? Yeah. And yeah, because these are not inexpensive plants, a yeah. lot of these tropicals. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, and some of them are so beautiful, you don't want to give them up because you want them for next year. Exactly. Well, let's see what's happening uh, right here around the corner from Toronto. It's Liz online. Good morning, Liz. Good morning. How is everybody this morning? Excellent. Great. I called. Um, in the summer about my Gerber daisy, which had flowered after four years, mm-hmm. which was amazing. And now um, the flower is gone, and I just have lots and lots of leaves. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering what I can do or what I should do for the winter. Yeah. Do I bring it back inside? Yeah, or? similar to our last caller. Gerbers uh, are originally from South Africa. They are not tolerant of frost. So if you wanted to keep that plant alive, the only way you will do so is by bringing it indoors. Okay. Uh, do put it in a very sunny location. I would recommend watering from below, like a saucer below is where the watering should take place, just because they do have a real tendency to end up with some mildews in the center of the plant if we're watering into the into the top part of the plant. Right, and that's how I've been watering it before. Yeah, yeah. so when you bring it in, just because, you know, outside we've got some air circulate, you know, wind and that sort of thing, so we don't sure. typically see the mildews as much, but indoors, you know, dead air, uh, the only wind blowing is your furnace, so, you know, hot, dry air, none of that is good on the plant. So try and sort of keep it, keep it uh, the moisture from below and lots and lots of sun. And I should bring it in now? Uh, anytime. Well, you know, according to the Farmer's Almanac, we're going to have some, some flurries by the end of the month. So you do okay. have time. But uh, I like to uh, – I assume your Gerber is in a bright, open, sunny location right now outdoors. So Yes, it was, and I've moved it into um – a shaded area okay, good. To, for, with less wind. Good, yep, yep, yep. And so, if you know, <clears throat> depending on when you moved it into that location, it does need to be in that shaded, sheltered spot for at least a week or 10 days before it comes inside. Perfect. Okay. Excellent. Thank Thanks, you so Liz. much. So thank you, Liz. And have a wonderful weekend. Of course, keeping it tuned right here to AM 740, and that's, of course, 96.7 FM, downtown Toronto. Uh, we have a few gremlins uh, attacking our phone lines. Do we? So, yeah, which, which meant uh, a couple of folks who had called in kind of got bumped. Uh, nothing that we did, but it just happened. So that means we've got at least one line open now. If you wanted to call in, in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere out of the area, it's toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. And here's a little something for Gail in Manatick near Ottawa. Hello, Gail. Welcome to the show, first-time caller. Good morning, and thank you for your... The line was busy, but I'm glad I got through. Good. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Uh, I used to live in the Toronto area, and four years ago I moved, so I always enjoyed your morning show. Um, My question is, uh, since I moved to Ottawa, we planted some grapes, Mm -hmm. and we had a terrible problem with the Japanese beetle. And when I was in the Hockley Valley area, I popped into a nursery there, and... Um, one of the workers suggested planting mint beside the grape plants, mm-hmm. and so what I did, I, we did that, and then also um, I found in the store peppermint extract, so I mixed it with some water mm-hmm. and tried to spray the leaves, and that seemed to help a bit, but I'm wondering if you have any suggestions. Hmm. So where you lived, um, in the 
uh, just trying to get a sense of, is there any kind of a ravine near you or a schoolyard or a public park or anything like that? Or are you surrounded by neighbors everywhere? No, I'm actually on the river. I'm on the Mm. Rideau River. And a few doors down from me, there is a conservation area. Hmm. The reason I bring it up is because there is, there, there is something called a Japanese beetle trap. And sometimes people buy these traps because it's full of pheromones and it attracts the Japanese beetles. They fly into it and they can't get out. So sometimes people will use those to trap Japanese beetles. But the trick is you do not want to put that trap on your property because you will end up getting 50 times more (laughs) Japanese beetles flying in than you would regularly. But if you have a conservation area or a schoolyard or a parking lot or something where you can surreptitiously hang this trap uh, next spring, then the Japanese beetles will all get attracted to the trap, which will not be on your property, and you will have fewer in your in your yard Ooh, as a result. That's clever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just a just a thought. Um, you will need to check the trap on occasion and empty it because they do fill up if there's if it's a bad year for Japanese beetles. Um, otherwise, I mean they're they're just they're all. All we've really uh-huh. learned to be able to do is just go out every morning and every afternoon with an empty tuna fish can filled with a bit of water and a drop of oil and pick them off and drown them in the can. Uh, so that, that is the drag of Japanese beetles. That really is. There's no spray. There's no repellent that I you know of. You physically have to do it yourself. Yeah, yep. and there's certain plants they like more than others. Um, definitely they love beans. Every time I plant beans, they get annihilated. They love roses. They'll eat every part of these plants that they love. So they seem to love grapes as well, it sounds like. Gail, so I just... Take a tuna can and just fill it with water and some drops of oil? Yep, yep. Or a, or a drop of soap, either one, because you basically just don't want pure water. They'll, they'll just fly out of the water. But a little drop of oil or drop of soap, they can't get out, and they drown, and it's quite pleasant <laughs> for me. Do I put it, like, um, at the base of the grape plant? No, you really have to walk around and pick them off and drop them in. They won't willingly fly into this tuna fish can, but they're very easy to pick off. They're very slow-moving. Oh, I and, get it. Okay. And they're really just the most docile bugs you've ever met in your life. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so oh, much. Gail, just before you leave, uh, you're calling from Manatech. Are you bringing us in just via AM740 or via computer? online. Um, no, I'm bringing you through the cable TV because oh, I listen right. to your station all day, but well, there um, you go. my husband worked today, so I was up early enough for once on a Saturday <laughs> to well, put the show on and nice. listen to it and make my call. Wonderful. So, yeah, That's no, I, I listen to the all of a 740 I have on all day in the house from the m- moment I get up um, through cable with the happy gang and and then um, it's on all day. Good you for know, you. I, I've I don't do it through the computer, though. It's, it's, I had a lot of problems with the cable with Rogers, and actually I called in, and um, one of your listeners helped me so that Rogers finally did something because I said I want this station. And Good for the you. The signal is <laughs> around nine miles from the tower, so that was my problem. Wow. But a call of fame I'm right there. Still, but <laughs> normally on a Saturday I'm not up um, oh, right. early enough to, to listen to your show, but when I am, I, I always have the radio on. Well, Excellent. thank you. Will. Thanks so much Gail, for calling. Thank you very much. All right. And there remember, you if you're not yeah. up early enough, because sometimes people aren't, yeah. or they're in another time zone, mm-hmm. we are podcast. Yep. You can always listen to the show. You can listen to past archive shows from years back yep. just by going to Zoomer. Is it ZoomerRadio.ca is our website? Just, I never just, know. Just go to AM740 and it'll break bring you right there. Yeah, go to, podcasts, and go to podcasts and then choose the garden show yep. and choose any week you want. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, here's a favorite caller from Holstein, uh, Wilma. Good morning, Wilma. 
Good morning. Uh, it's not a real good morning here, but we need the rain, too, so we can't complain. Okay, what, so what's going on at your place? Well, I have calla lilies. Now, admittedly, I have been a little slack, and I just leave them in the pot and no. put the pot out every summer. No, that's fine, yep. In my garden. Mm-hmm. But I do not get any blooms from them. Mm. Now, I wonder if it's just because I'm lazy that I haven't <laughs> repotted them in the pot and I haven't fertilized them, yeah, I admit. I think it's more fertilizer, probably. And you're giving them a fair amount of shade, right? Um, no, actually. They're out in pretty much oh, sunshine. Okay. <laughs> oh. So I would, I would give them a little more, like preferably afternoon shade and morning sun. Okay. Definitely don't do it now, but, you know, wait till obviously frost's going to knock the leaves down. Do your usual bringing them in in the pot. Don't worry about uh, unpotting them or taking them out at all. But next spring, yeah, take a look at your soil because in our pots, we typically use potting soil. Mm -hmm. And potting soil has no nutritional value. It is peat-based, vermiculite, perlite. all dries out very quickly. Yeah, and it's a great medium for growing in pots, but it does not do any feeding. So we really have to either, you know, mix up the water-soluble fertilizer and fertilize by when when we water every two to three weeks, or in the spring, rough up the soil and use a slow release. You incorporate some slow release fertilizer into the soil, into the first top inch, and then add a little bit of fresh soil because it's probably depleted anyway, mm-hmm. and then get it out into a place where you've got some uh, some you know bit of sun or you know sort of half day sun, half day shade, and you should get flowers. Okay. All okay. right. Um, should they be maybe uh, separated like? What I done this spring, I put them out. I brought them up from the basement earlier before I could put mm-hmm. them outside. Yeah, good and idea. And they grew probably oh maybe eight to ten inches, um, mm-hmm. and had the green leaves. Yep. But even since I put them outside, they don't seem to have even grown in the green each. Oh, hmm. so they look kind of like they looked when you put them out then. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. it's, well, if, like you said, if it's re- the pots dry out really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I did have a, a tray underneath them, so okay. the water didn't da- drain totally out of them when it got rain. But, How big are the pots? Um, oh, it's probably a 10-inch pot. Hmm. And when you planted it with the calla lilies, how many did you put in there? I don't know anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Years ago? Well, you know, if in doubt, uh, next spring when you pull this pot up from the basement, maybe it's time to dig into it and find out what's in there. Uh If it's really, really overcrowded, Uh yes, it might be wise to do some some separating. Uh But more likely... It, it's not overcrowded, and it was just such a big pot that when you planted, plants are so funny. Like they, they most particularly bulb plants, any of the you know bulbs, tubers, rhizomes, they kind of like to be a bit on the crowded side. They okay. don't. If there's too much soil, uh-huh. then they just grow a lot of roots. Okay. <laughs> they just because they're going. Oh my gosh! Like what's going on? You know, they just sort of get overwhelmed by all that soil, and okay. you won't see a lot of top growth. You will find a lot of underground roots. So they still haven't crowded themselves. It, Growing. Yeah, so you won't know it until you dig them up to uh-huh. see what's really going on. And if, certainly you could go right back in. If you find that there's lots of soil but not lots of tuber, then I would go right back in. But but certainly consider some uh, uh, fresh 
amend that soil with some fresh potting soil um, or, you know, some compost even can help if you, if you make compost because, well, you're in Holstein. You've got good access to great <laughs> exactly. compost. So <laughs> incorporate a little organic material and you will find that that will help hold moisture as well. Well, being the Scottish background <laughs> that I am, I have a tendency to say that it probably was just my own garden soil, flower uh, bed soil that I put them in. but. Huh. I may have put some other with it, but okay. as I say, it's right. been oh probably four or five years, yeah. Yeah. actually, since okay. I'm right. guessing. Well, a little amending of any soil yeah. after four or five years is a good yeah. idea, and whether yeah. you need to separate is hard to say until you pull it, pull it all apart. Yeah. Thanks okay. for thanks for keeping us in touch with the folks in Holstein, uh, Wilma. Yeah, thanks for calling. You back when uh, whenever you can. Uh, we have to take a little bit of a break here because uh, I'm all set to uh, bring in Josephine from Pickering. We'll do that right after these words on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie Dobbin, of course, uh, bringing you a little bit of sunshine on this cloudy Saturday morning. Yes, with my favorite co-host, Franklin Proctor. Well, thank you very much. Hey, Josephine. Notice I'm not picking hmm? on you? Yeah. Yeah. She's been very good to me. hasn't hit me once. Josephine <laughs> in Pickering, good morning. Good morning. I phoned in earlier, and for some reason or another, my phone was playing tricks on me. Yeah. So I couldn't get through to you. I could hear you in a very whisper voice. Oh, wild. Okay. Well, glad you got back on. Okay. I'm the pain in the neck that phoned in regards to the hydra the hydrangea plant that oh. I started. Uh-huh. I don't know if you remember me. Uh, I started it from a, a shoot. Yep, I do remember. Okay, now the thing is this. It has got two stems starting, and the leaves are quite big. Mm-hmm. However, I want to plant it outside, but should I plant it by where my hydrangeas are, in between where it'll be protected for the winter? In that spot there, I have bleeding hearts as well as the hydrangeas. Mm -hmm. Is that where you ultimately want it to grow? Uh, Yeah. Okay, so yes. If you are going to plant it into its final location, better to get it outside sooner than later into the ground. I would recommend... Uh, either a little bone meal when you're planting or some transplanter or root booster kind of fertilizer right. just to encourage roots priority. Uh, the trick is if we're doing any planting or transplanting, we want to make sure we've got these plants in the ground six to eight weeks before the first frost okay. in order for some roots to get down and so the plant can get slightly established before the ground freezes. Well, as you know, I've start, started that off quite a while ago mm-hmm. and it's taken a long time mm-hmm. for everything to start to yeah. really flourish. But exactly. I don't want to lose it at this point and I figured that if I put it in between mm-hmm. the other the mother plant mm-hmm. And another one. Yeah, it'll be quite and cozy. At least it's in its familiar ground. Now. Exactly. Everybody will be glad to see it back, probably. Most likely. <laughs> I'll be glad to see if it comes back next year. <laughs> well, you should see it through the winter. I mean, remember, those little stems should still, I mean, the leaves will drop, but the little stems should still show above oh, ground. Oh, I know. You don't touch yeah, and leave everything alone till the spring. I've had that argument with my with my sisters and my daughters yeah. about that. Some people, you know, for some people, they just love to do cleanup in the fall. Well, and, that's when I do most of my cleanup. Yeah, and some people, you know, go south for the winter, so they're cleaning up in September, and we haven't even come close to a frost, and they're cutting everything down. It's like, whoa, you know what? It's way better if you can leave the plants alone at least until we've had a good frost. Now, how big a hole should I uh, dig for that uh, plant? Twice as wide as the pot, same depth. 
depth that it is now. Okay. Okay. And water thoroughly. Okay, then. All, All right. right. It's taking a lot of water. Let us know how that turns out, Josephine. It ought to be interesting. <laughs> okay, I bet. love experiments. <laughs> Thank you. 945 here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Speaking of going south, we're going to do that right now, too, to the state of New York, just a little bit south of Rochester. There's Bill, and he is a first-time caller. Oh, there welcome we to the show. How's it going, eh? Excellent, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Throwing a little Canadian How y'all doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're doing pretty good. good. Uh, I got a question about blueberry cuttings. I took uh, about 10 blueberry cuttings from my, my established blueberry bush, and I put them into, I put some root hormone on them, and I put them into sand, mm-hmm. and I got them in containers, and they're outside right now, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's going to get cold, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if I should be bringing those in for the winter. Nope, 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 nope. So they do have roots, or have you checked? They, no, they don't. I put them into, like, these little cubes mm-hmm. that, you know, like little yeah. styrofoam cubes. Yeah. Meant for, for, like, and and they have plenty of root hormone, and, and the sand is moist and stuff, mm-hmm. and... Uh, but I was wondering what, you know. Well, the only way you could bring them indoors would be if you had a very cool spot to put them. That's the challenge. Like most, you don't bring them into room temperature for the winter. That won't work. So, because, yeah, I mean, certainly the way they're propagated, as you have recognized, is by cuttings. And they will be held in virtually, you know, around zero degrees in in cold frames, if you will, those, those cuttings for months uh, until the roots start to show. And then, of course, they'll be potted up. And, you know, the temperatures are all – so we're not having real outdoor extreme temperatures, but we are keeping the plants virtually dormant uh, because they have to, as the days get shorter, that's their total natural cycle and you can't try and pull them out of that. Uh, so I, what I did was I put, uh, I took a cooler and mm-hmm. I took the top off of mm-hmm. it and I put a, like a metal, uh, metal screen down mm-hmm. so they, they could drain about an inch below the bottom right. and they're all in there, mm-hmm. but I've you know, we get, it gets pretty cold mm-hmm. uh, where we are. I'm concerned that it'll be too cold for them in that in that condition. So you know what I would do? Did, did you poke holes in the bottom of that cooler? Yeah, well, it, it, it drains. Uh, there's an inch space below the bottom of all the all the containers, and then it drains out the cooler by the plug. Oh, okay, okay. So that's, I was going to say because if we get an inch of water, yeah. it would be full of water. Yeah, right, no, so it'll as long always as, drain. It'll yeah. never hold water. Okay. So is there any possibility you could take that cooler? I mean. Depending, again, on sort of what you've got available, like say you had an unheated shed or something like that, those plants could go into the shed for the winter, which would be... So just out of the wind. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. less extreme than outdoor temperatures. You know, be a little milder. Do they need sun? Do they need any No, any because they're, they're, nope, they're going to drop their leaves. They're going to go completely dormant. They don't need sun at all for the winter. Um, but you will have to check. If you do go into a dark shed or something like that, do check on them every couple of weeks or month. Just make sure that they're not rotting, because if they're too wet, they could rot. Uh, yeah. if, if they're too dry, they'll just shrivel up. And die. So there's going to be a fine line on the moisture levels, but they'd be out of the wind, out of the extremes. No, or, I don't have to. I don't have to. Yeah. All right. That's, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, the only other thing like... would be to bury the, the cooler into mm-hmm. the garden, and that will get them down below soil level, and it's always oh. less cold once you get down below uh, ground level. Because the soil only like... goes to, you know, four degrees. It's, it's quite, it's a good place to keep things insulated by the soil. Now, I hedged my bet, and I bought 
uh, five three-year-old blueberry bushes that haven't arrived yet. I've got the holes dug, uh, and I'm waiting for them. And, you know, we don't expect, I mean, we might get some flurries, but we don't expect any freezes for an, another six to six, six weeks or so. I mean, yeah. if I get these in in time, are they going to live? Well, it's only the 1st of October, and, of course, you're a little milder where we are. So you likely do have six to eight weeks still before. I mean, and it's a real hard frost. We're not talking about a light little just, you know, touching zero or 32 degrees. We're talking about, you know, 27 Fahrenheit yeah. minus 3, 4 uh, Celsius where we, you know, things all start. That's it. <laughs> That's the hard frost. We get the icy layer. So when will that happen? Usually not in October. It's, we're usually well into November before that happens. Last year, it was after Christmas. You know, I had right. roses yeah. blooming until December 27th at my house. So, you know, last year was a, a very prolonged fall. We were joking that the squirrels were the size of raccoons last year. They had so much time to eat. <laughs> so they just fattened right up. So who knows what the fall will bring. But I, I would remain calm and, you know, hope those blueberries show up soon. As soon as they show up, get them in the ground. Okay, Bill. Thank you very much for uh, calling in from New York State, just a little bit south of Rochester. Yeah. And we have another first-time caller, actually. Joan in Kitchener will get to... In just a moment, here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, a big uh, Oktoberfest welcome to Joan in <laughs> Kitchener, and yeah. she is a first-time caller. There you Ooh, go. baby. Hi, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I have a problem here. Mm-hmm. I was cutting my peonies back, and I noticed on all the stems there was a white powdery film, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that is. Mildew. Oh, okay. What do I do about it? Well, so the peonies are, how much sun are they getting? Um, They get the morning sun. Okay. So they're getting a couple hours in the morning. Yes. And what's happening, so in this uh, afternoon, shade is provided by trees or something or the house? No, just the shade of the house. Yeah. So because they're getting that much shade and perhaps also they're somewhat protected from a lot of air circulation, you're ending up with some mildew growing on the stems. And it won't ultimately kill the plants, makes them a bit unsightly, and might affect the quality of the flowers uh, moving forward. Any possibility you could move those peonies no, into a no. sunnier spot? You know, we've lived in this house for over 50 years, mm-hmm. and we were giving these plants when we moved here, so yeah. I don't even know how old they are, but they're very, very old. They're at least 50 I years old. I just don't want to lose them. No, no. Well, you, they're, peonies are, are not that hard to... That's a, You've lived in the house for over 50 years. That's yeah. got to be a record. You should get a bell ring just for that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> wow. Uh, you, that's amazing. I think I've lived in my place for a long time. I've been there over 20 years. Oh, my. <laughs> no, we've been here for a long, long time. No kidding. Well, all right, so what can you do? See, the thing is, is that when you planted those peonies 50 years ago, they were maybe three or four stems came up. But now, 50 years later, you probably have 100 stems coming off of each peony. And that's part of what's going on, too, right? It's that density of the plant. So that affects the air circulation as well. Hmm. I mean, really uh, properly, back in early September, and it is a bit of a job because it'd be a huge tuber under there, each of them, to dig them up and to actually 
break them into smaller pieces, sever them into smaller pieces. You could give some to friends or family and then, you know, go back into the same spot with a smaller tuber. Uh, what are you going to do? Hmm. I, you know, because the only other thing would be, and you don't want to do this, in the spring as the stalks are coming up, you could cut some down so you don't have as many stems coming up. Oh, okay. I, hate, uh-huh. I hate that idea. But, I mean, you could do that. Um, otherwise, I mean, did they flower fine this year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're beautiful flowers uh, in, in the early, early summer. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. So, it's in October, you've got a little bit of mildew on the leaves. Who cares? The leaves oh, are going down there's anyway. Nothing I could put on the soil. Is that no, correct? well, there is liquid liquid sulfur, which is a fun fungicidal spray, or there's a product called Serenade, which is also a fungicidal spray. You could pull that out in late July, early August, follow the instructions, and spray the the stems, particularly of mm-hmm. the plant, just to avoid the mildew. But but again, it's a herbaceous plant, so all of that is going to drop down in the fall anyway. Main thing is don't keep that material on your property. Don't try and compost it because you'll keep the fungus. Uh, Bag it and send it away. Thank you very much for your help. All right. Good luck with that. Thanks, Joan. And Gully, uh, just as we're kind of winding things up here on The Garden Show, we go from Joan to Joan in Burlington this time around. Hi, Joan. It's the Joan Show. Good morning. I was listening to your forecast about um, flurries at the end of the month. I thought, I'd better get my Christmas lights up. I won't light them until I get them up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and leading up, because it's going to be cold in November, let's face it, but leading <laughs> yeah. up to Christmas, what can I do to get my Christmas cactus to bloom in December? Ah, you want it to bloom in December and not November? <laughs> I, no, I'd like them anytime, quite honestly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you know what's the trick with Christmas cactus? And your, your timing is very good. If you want your Christmas cactus to bloom at all, one of the most effective ways to get it to bloom is stop watering it. (laughs) So just let it do some serious drying down. And it's all about temperature. Mm -hmm. If you can take your Christmas cactus outside even today, Mm -hmm. leave them outside Mm -hmm. uh, right until we get a light frost... You will, the plant will be covered in buds because oh. of the cool nights and the sunny days. Uh-huh. But as soon as you bring that plant into your warm house, all those buds will break and it'll all start flowering and it might not be Christmas yet. So that's always the challenge is we take them outside, they're covered in buds, we bring them in in November because it's getting too mm-hmm. cold and then they bloom like crazy through November and now we've got green plants at Christmas. So if you can take them out, get the buds set and then bring them into a cool location, sunny mm-hmm. but cool, in your home, you can slow down the flowering and try and hold them off till Christmas. Now, if I put them outside, mm-hmm. um, can I put them on the patio right next to the house? Would that yeah. be all right, or, or do I put them in towards the garden? No, you can just put them out, out in the patio. Make sure that they don't, they're not going to get really soggy if we're getting a lot of rain. Make sure there's no saucer below mm-hmm. so they are draining well. Yeah. And, um, yep, yeah, it, it's all about temperature. I have uh, been following what you said a while ago about not uh, not washing them, letting them get really dry. Uh-huh. Yep, dry down in cool night temperatures, and your Christmas cactus will reward you with tons of flowers. Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very a, welcome. A bright note to end on, uh, as a matter of fact. Thank you, Joan, for that call, and we yeah. look forward, of course, to next week. Talking to you folks again. And, uh, Charlie, what do you got planned today? Uh, well, breakfast with you. Well, that's right, yes. We're off to High Park to our favorite Grenadier restaurant where I hope they're holding us a good table. And then, <laughs> actually, I'm going to go home. I've got a handyman friend of mine coming to help me do some handyman repairs. Ah, yes, excellent. Yes, indeed. So I've, for you, that, you. that's my afternoon. You talk somebody into doing stuff. Good for you. <laughs> I know. Delegation. That's yeah. my middle name. Have and a good you? week, everybody. Oh, I'm coming back at oh, uh, 1.30. Right. You're on air. Yep.
for a couple of hours. Well, you have a great afternoon and well, good thank week. You. I'll see you. Thank you, Sebastian. Thank you to our wonderful callers. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.